Here at Text Talks, we constantly strive to spotlight authentic music trailblazers, which is why we're excited to have Text Talks styled by Ray-Ban this summer, helping us in our pursuit of featuring artists who are not afraid to be their authentic selves. You've got the look. Now come and have some fun with us in the sun. Together, Text Talks and Ray-Ban are saying, if you've got a challenge for us, no matter what it is, you are on. You can't predict the light, but with Text Talks and Ray-Ban, you are always ready to capture it by living each day in the moment. You are on. Define your style at superbulous.com. Welcome to Tex Talks. I am Tex, and today I am talking to one of the new icons of Nigerian R&B, who is part of a generation that is asserting the nation's creativity on a global scale. His sound is the perfect mix of R&B, hip-hop, alternative jazz, and Afrofusion, and he weaves together all of these genre threads with his smooth vocal timbre that's made him a household name in Nigeria and around the world. I am, of course, talking about Praise. Praise, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hi, Tex. I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm even better now that I'm talking to you because it's hey. a real, <laughs> real honor for me to I'm have excited, a multi... i excited. I know. Yeah, for me to have a multi-award-winning Nigerian R&B legend on the show. First time, first time for everything. But but (laughs) you're the first. (laughs) (laughs) But your legacy, I mean, it extends far beyond just Nigeria at this point. But what we like to do on Text Talks is we like to take it back to the beginning. So I want to go back to you growing up in Lagos, one of five siblings. What memory is triggered when you think of family time growing up in the Adejo household? Ah, so, (laughs) so um, growing up um, was really, really interesting. Um, I'm fortunate to come from a family where love reigns supreme, you know, um, and it reflects through my music. I grew up with parents who were um, who were clergies, uh, but really loved themselves. They loved their kids and believed in their kids, who also gave them the freedom to do what they believed in. Growing up was quite interesting. I was born in Lagos, but my dad was transferred to Kaduna, the northern part of Nigeria, because of his job. Mm-hmm. Um, he used to work for Peugeot to Mobile Nigeria um, Limited back then, and. He was supposed to head the north. So the family had to relocate to the north. And yeah, it was totally a different scenario, like a different environment. So we had to, we had to just try and get used to the new environment. Because we, we used to live in Lagos. Lagos was a madhouse. Mm. <laughs> it was Bustling. crazy. You could just walk, walk down the street and next thing you see people, people fighting. Like, yo, like it was just volatile. Now we're in Kaduna and uh, it's just everything is just so calm. just so different and um, no friends but we had to just literally start all over again and um, yeah we started school and in the north like I literally experienced everything so everything happened we saw the peace reign we saw the, the, the fightings we saw we saw the clashes the riots 
I mean, mm. growing up as a family was really, really interesting. It was it was it's something I pray to have because you know, I envy my parents. Yeah. Do you still live in Nigeria? Yes, I do. I live in Lagos now. <laughs> Thanks to my job. <laughs> so, I mean, I can imagine that being the child of of a pastor and a missionary, yeah. it involves it involves a lot of travel. I mean, we, you've already spoken about moving from bustling, crazy Lagos to Kaduna, where it was much more chilled. Yeah. Were there other places that yeah. you around Nigeria that you maybe traveled to with your parents? Yeah, um, went to went to a lot of places. Went to Enugu. Some I can't even remember, but we definitely traveled a lot, you know. And um, I mean, it was as as a kid, it was quite interesting because children love to go to new places. Mm-hmm. Not, maybe not necessarily change um, environments permanently, but we like to just see new places, visit new places, and. It was quite an, an experience, a lovely time for me as a kid. So, yes, we did. What are some of your favorite places that you've traveled to in Nigeria? As as someone who's never been but who's always wanted to go, where would you where would you say is, you know, a really a really beautiful place that perhaps, you know, media and people don't talk about? Yeah, you should visit. It's it's lovely though. I, I would love to. One of my favorite places in Nigeria is yeah, you should. One of my favorite places in Nigeria is Jos. It's it has a beautiful, a beautiful um, view. Has mountains. Sometimes it snows. How <laughs> that's crazy. Um, oh wow! Abuja also is one of yeah. Abuja some Abuja too is one of my favorite places. And um, the reason why it's one of my favorite places because it's calm. It's it's not as noisy as Lagos. <laughs> Lagos is Lagos is crazy. Lagos is like it's like New York. Everything is so fast. You know, so my, one of my favorite places is Abuja. Another is Joss. So music was a part of your life from a very early age. I mean, you were playing drums in the church from early on. But I read that even though you enjoyed music, your main goal was actually always to be a famous soccer star. So yes, <laughs> I want I want to know I want to know how far you took this football dream. Like, did you did you make it anywhere even semi professional? And we're not talking about like online FIFA tournaments here. That doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, like I literally played grassroots soccer, and um, I played for teams. Actually, had teammates who eventually ended up playing for the national team you know i always wanted to be a soccer star i love soccer so much till tomorrow i won't even lie to you i love soccer I, I i play i still play you know but you know life just has its has its way of directing you to your destiny you know and it's always a blessing when you're in tune with what you're supposed to do and you follow your heart yes i wanted to play football but yeah, I didn't end up being in a club, um, in a soccer club. I've always loved music. I've always loved soccer. Started music in church, started playing the drums. And before I went to the university, I was in the studio, always chilling with my friend who's a music producer. Sometimes I record live drums um, for for some sessions. 
And yeah, I oh, sorry, I, for, I forgot to mention, I played the keys too. So I was like, yo, like, I would love to know how to apply the skills I have to music production. Mm-hmm. So a friend of mine was like, okay, I'll teach you. And he taught me, started producing, started making some demo beats. And um, one day they were like, yo, you know, okay, produce this guy, this artist who's, who wants to work. And I was actually nervous. But yeah, it went well. And one day I was like, okay, let me see how it feels like to record a song. It was just me in the studio. We made a beat. I recorded myself, played it to my friends. And they're like, yo, praise. This is amazing. We didn't know you could sing. You should do more of this. Meanwhile, my head is my head, my head is out there just thinking, yo, praise, you're going to be a soccer star. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll try it. You know, so like time went on and a friend of mine was like, okay, Gino, praise, I think you should just go audition for this show. It's a singing show. I'm like, oh, okay, I tried. Literally every show in Nigeria I have auditioned for, literally. You know, and it never, I mean, never made any headway till 2008. When I went for the Median edition of um, MTM Project Fame West Africa. Yes. And yo, that's the beginning of mu- of music, like full, full fledged music. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, listen, you could have been Nigeria's Thierry Henry, but instead you're Nigeria's Joe, and I think that that worked out really, really well. <laughs> It did, it did, it did, it did, it did. I'll be pissed if it didn't. (laughs) (laughs) But you mentioned being in studio and producing a track for an artist. And that was around the time that you were like, okay, cool, let me, you know, let me try out this music thing and see and see how it goes. But with Project Fame West Africa, uh and then placing yeah, third like a confirmation. in the competition, which is pretty incredible as well, considering the fact that like West Africa is a very big place. Like it's a, it's a massive area. Um, yeah. And yeah. I can imagine that making it far in the competition removed all that doubt that like you were supposed Definitely. to take this music thing further. Yeah, I agree with you. Definitely. It took, it actually eliminated every doubt. Um, I just, it was, it made me so confident and just gave me a sense of direction. You know, it definitely eliminated every doubt. Would you say that Project Fame was the catapult that shot you into the spotlight? Yes, it did. Yes, it did. I'll be, I'll be a liar to deny that fact. You know, I mean, growing up, like people knew I was very talented musically as a soccer star back home. But a lot of people never knew I sang, you know. People never knew I sang until I got on the show and everyone was like, praise sings. <laughs> you know, and um, for me, it's that being on the show helped me um, build a fan base, you know, like unlike an artist who's just literally starting up as an artist without being on the show. The show helped me build a fan base and mm. definitely gave me that that shoot into um, the spotlight. So I'm, I'm forever grateful. I'm forever grateful being on the show. So then things come full circle when you're invited back to be a judge on Project Fame, which is incredible. And it must have Life. been very inspiring <laughs> for the contestants because even though you didn't yeah. win, you've gone on to have this mm-hmm. amazing career. 
What was it like to so, guide and mentor the contestants? It was very interesting. It was it was very it was very interesting because I I felt I was the only judge who could connect as a contestant and also as a judge because I I have been there. I know what it feels like to be on that stage to perform to judges the the tension the fear you know the the nerves the adrenaline rush you know like i i know everything so for me it was it was it was a great experience it was a great time to also not just be a judge but to also guide this contestant you know mm. and it was it's definitely one of my favorite experiences in life or in my career cuz it was a blessing to come back as a judge on the same show as a contestant you know but i took it for me not being a judge i wanted to guide these people cuz i've been there done that mm. have there been any contestants from the show that you've kept in contact with over the years to offer support or guidance in their industry journey yeah definitely i keep i still keep in touch with with a few that's um, cool Yeah, I do I do that. I give them words of advice, direction, and I mean, my I've always told them I'm always open if you need you need a verse from me, I'm always here to support you because I know how the industry is, you know. Mm-hmm. People tend to be quite difficult especially when they're up there. You know, I I always just want to be that person I never had, you know. So I mm-hmm. I give them the words of advice. tell them I'm the, anytime you need a verse I'm I'm always ready to support just make sure that it's a great song you know i think that that's so important because i read an article the other day about the voice the voice america and yeah. how contestants who have gone on to win the voice they kind of just disappear after they win and that's exactly. because the record label uh and the people behind the show they don't really yeah. offer a support system or a structure for those contestants yeah. once they either win or once the se- the se- season is over so i yeah. think that what you have done in terms of keeping in contact with people like um, what singer wouldn't want to have like praises number in his phone like i think that that's <laughs> i think that that's a very uh a very cool thing that you've done yeah, just you know, in terms you know, of like giving back to the next generation, yeah, you know? Yeah. But you know, I always, I always tell people, especially like contestants on the show, I use myself as an example. Um, you can never wait for anybody. It's your career. You know, mm-hmm. they would promise you, they'll promise you heaven on earth. Um, like when I was on the show, I had people who told me, yo, praise, you know, after the show, give me a call. I'm going to set you up. I'm going to put you in places. After the show I called these people and yo they ghosted me. You know so most times <laughs> so I, I I I I tell them never depend on these guys here. They're just here to just do their show to create content to make money. Yes, it's good. They might like you because okay, oh he sings good, but for them their par- primary goal is to create content to make money. For you, you're a musician, you want to be a successful musician. You want to you want people to know your music so you mm. can't just decide to leave your career in the hands of these people who have a different goal you know so i tell them push like it's only you left in the world like it's just you cuz in the end it's still just you you know so i tell them not to depend on people for their music to thrive <laughs> 
be your own biggest champion. Yeah. Mm. But also, please tell me that MTN gave you like a lifetime supply of data as sponsors of Project <laughs> Fame and that you never have to buy a bundle again. Because if I was a judge on Project oh, Fame, that's yeah. what I'm looking for. <laughs> so, um, so for the show, MTN was a sponsor, um, but I think it was owned by, it was, I think the show was, it's a, it's the franchise was owned by, I think Endomol at that point. Uh, okay. You know, yeah. So MTN was just a sponsor and I think they had, um, they had obligations, which they definitely lived up to. Uh, but the good thing about it, about mm-hmm. everything is, years later I became an MTN ambassador, brand ambassador. Ah, you know, so silver yeah, lining. Like, yeah, like <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I had unlimited data. I had, yeah, you know, like I had a lot of, I have a lot of benefits. You know, eight years and counting. <laughs> Yeah, that's quite a nice sponsor to have, you know, when you're looking for partners, when you want to, you know, launch into the mainstream. I'm telling you now, a telecommunications partner is the way to go. Shout out MTN, if you're listening, we're looking for a telecommunications partner. No, I joke, I joke. (laughs) (laughs) It will happen. Project fame aside, you collaborated on MI's epic and Bez's stupid song, which ended up making history, becoming the first African song to premiere on BET 106 and Park. Talk to me about how that collaboration came about and what that milestone meant to you at the time. So um, after Project fame, it was quite a struggle for me, quite a struggle for me, trust me. Had ups and downs, um, family got duped. The money I won, um, I had to give everything to my family because um, it was a trying time for my family. So, yeah, um, I eventually had to tell my dad, yo, dad, I'm moving back to Lagos because of the music. I went back mm-hmm. to Lagos, started struggling, hustling, tried to get in shows so people would remember me. And um, one day I traveled to Abuja. I've been friends with um, M.I.'s brother, Jesse Jags. So we recorded a song that was supposed to be on this album i can't remember it's called headlock like it's a very deep song you know and it was an amazing song he played it for mi and mi was like yo who's this dude jesse was like yo that's praise don't you know praise he was on project fame it's like yo man i need his number so yeah i was back in lagos and one day i got a call and he's like so is this praise i'm like yeah who's this he's like it's mi um i'm like mi like, which am I? Because <laughs> I was like, yo, like, I don't know. Like, I know I don't have MI's number. I know MI doesn't have my number, but I know MI. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, let's make this. I have a song that I want us to make. I was like, oh, yeah. I was excited. I went to his house and uh, recorded the song. And it, it was a song that connected with me at that point in my life, you know. The lyrics said everything. Sometimes when I think about the trouble I see, sometimes when I reminisce the places I've been, sometimes when I look around the face that I'm in, I realize there's only one option. That's win, you know. So for me, it was it was a song that really connected. Yes, with me. I, yeah. Woo. I sang it with all my heart, and it became one of the biggest collaborations on the continent. Mm-hmm. I lie. Then moving further, I got a call from Cobams, who is 
a legend who's an amazing producer everyone looks up to as an artist as a producer as an entertainer and he's like yo praise my artist bears i go by name bez is putting out an album and i want you to be on it there's this song i want you you guys to do together funny enough i was on my way i was making a road trip for a show but thankfully the show was the next day i had to tell my driver you know let's turn back like i need to do this collaboration so yeah we're going to the studio and kobams was like yo praise i need us to do a song the song is called stupid song i'm like huh Yo, like, people are trying to create amazing song. You want us to sing a song called Stupid Song? <laughs> then he was like, yeah, okay, so, you know, people are very... Titles attract people, you know, and it's like, basically, it's not a stupid song, but we're just going to sing about folk songs that a lot of people used to sing um, when they were kids. So I'm like, oh, okay, okay. So we recorded a song called Stupid Song with Bears, and it turned out to be the first African song on BET. Like, it was amazing. It just felt so great. I remember when it premiered, I signed from my TV like an hour before the time of the premiere. Yo, I was so excited. I was so gassed. I couldn't believe that, yo, I was going to be one of the first Africans to be on BET. So it was was a great and memorable time for me in my life, my career. That's absolutely phenomenal. You've repeatedly mentioned in interviews that international R&B legends like Joe and Marvin Gaye are influences of yours. And in 2011, for PFWA in Lagos, you got to share a stage with Joe, as well as Brandy, who, like, let's be honest, paved the way (laughs) for a younger generation of 90s R&B singers. Yeah, definitely. What was that experience like for you to stand shoulder to shoulder with some of the genre's best? You know, for me, it just, it was a message to myself. It was a message to my younger self um, telling me, praise, thank you for not giving up. Thank you for believing in R&B, you know. And because I remember when I started, a lot of people were like, yo, R&B music, come on, Nigeria, come on, like, Mm. (laughs) guys. You're not going to make Afrobeats. Yeah, yeah, like you're not going to make money. Like you're not going to you're, you're going to suffer. You're going you're going to be broke. You know, but I won't even lie to you. Got to a point in my life where I was like, "Yo, man, I think I'm I'm about to give up. I'm about, or should I make the switch? Oh, was it like I'm tired? You know, but I'm so glad that I kept pushing. I kept I kept going. I kept going." And I mean, sharing the stage with Joe, it just took me back to appreciate myself for not giving up, for believing in myself, for believing in what I believed in. So yeah, it was a great time, memorable time for me. I would never, ever forget. What was it about R&B that resonated so deeply with you and made you so resolute in the path that you were going down, like not having gone down the Afrobeats or Afrotech route? One, I think it's the kind of music I grew up listening to. Um, yeah, I, li- I used to listen. My dad had a lot of, he had a lot of records. <laughs> he had a lot of Marvin Gaye. He had a lot of Billy Ocean. He had, yo, he had, he had, he had some amazing Otis Redding. Mm. He had, he had some records, you know. So I think the kind of music I listened to was one of the things that influenced my love for R&B. Secondly, I'm a very passionate person. 
you know i'm very i'm a very soulful person and it had to be r&b <laughs> it just had to be r&b oh grew up around love you know <laughs> it had to be r&b you know so yeah i mean this factors influence my love for the kind of music i do and my music is a reflection of myself and everything i stand for and i'm sure that being so resolute in the kind of music that you wanted to make and yeah. being <clears throat> very being very comfortable in who you are as an artist and the direction of where you wanted to go when you dropped yeah. your debut album rich and famous which was a double album when yeah. it charted as one of the best albums in the country i'm sure that yeah. that was a validation of yeah. everything that had been going on because i mean it was so powerful rich charted at number 1 on the itunes chart for r&b yeah. and famous charted number 1 on the itunes chart for for afrobeat and i mean i can't yeah. imagine what it must have been like to do for your confidence to break onto the scene with a debut album that's so powerful i know you're like <laughs> It was it was an amazing yo like I think amazing just it actually just doesn't do justice because it was that period um, D'Angelo actually released his R&B album everyone had been waiting for D'Angelo like yo I mean this is D'Angelo and me and I remember his his was his album was number one mine was number either number four or number three. I was like, God, please, man. I mean, I'm super excited that you are this on close. And someone just sent me a message, praise you're number one now. I'm like, no, no, it's D'Angelo who's number one. I'm number three. It's like, no, what are you saying? Check this thing. And I went there, checked the chat. I'm like, God, like, yo, this can Incredible. be real. Yo, it was, it was a major boost for my self-confidence, believing in myself, believing in my craft, believing in praise, you know. And yo, it was it was it was a great time. Great time to be alive. <laughs> How many bottles of champagne did you pop on that day? Be honest. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> well, not a lot, cause um I was I was just I was just getting up in the sense that um, things were just beginning to look right for me. Um, I was at that point of becoming financially stable. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't that buoyant to have like, to say, okay, yeah, like I'm, I'm, go I'm going to pop like 20 bottles and, <laughs> and things, you know. But the joy, yo, the joy I had, yo, was more than a hundred bottles of champagne. Trust me. <laughs> I love that even though, like, this is such a milestone moment for your career. In the back of your yeah. mind, you're thinking, no, got to be financially stable. Can't blow all my cash on champagne. Yeah. I, like that <laughs> I like that you're very, you know, you're, you're very logical like that. Yeah, <laughs> I no. think that that's you know, where I would have bought every bottle of champagne that I could Keep my hands on. <laughs> oh my gosh. I try I try to be even when I try to have like the most fun, I try to also be um logical. Um because I mean you know how the music industry is. Um you need to be smart. You don't need to just always act on impulse. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you need to be smart and think about tomorrow. You know, so like I also surround myself with people who tell me the truth, who are not afraid Very to tell important. me the truth, you know, and that has kept me grounded. So most times when things like this happen, like I know what I'm going to do, but I try not to go overboard. You get <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, you know, I think that especially in our current climate where COVID is still very much a day-to-day reality, your idea of being smart and preparing for tomorrow or rainy day or looking forward is very clever because as we've seen over the last year and a bit, people's livelihoods can get taken away from them in an instant. So if you don't plan, which... I know a lot of musicians that I work with and have spoken to, they're not in a position whereby they can afford to to plan like that. It's basically they live hand-to-mouth, paycheck-to-paycheck. Yeah. Um, our scene has really, yeah, it's taken, it's taken a bit of a knock, but everybody has their own different COVID story and how COVID has yeah. affected them. Yeah, I think, um, I, think, I think a lot of musicians or a lot of entertainers um, learned a lot from last year. You know, especially for those who never used to save, for those who were exactly. only only about the lifestyle, you know, I think they learned to, I hope, well, I hope they learned a lesson because um, last year taught everybody a lesson, you know, different, different facets of life. You need to have a savings. You need to have an alternative means of income, mm-hmm. you know, which a lot of entertainers sleep on. You know, so yeah, I'm sure. I hope they actually learned that lesson. Yeah, I hope they did too. I mean, but you dropped a lockdown album last yeah. year called Mute, To The yo, Moon. <laughs> to and the let's moon. be honest, R&B is baby making music. Yeah, it But is. what I want to know is, has <laughs> anyone ever slipped into your DMs and been like, thank you for soundtracking my sexy time? Or like, yo, one day I'm going to tell my lot. children that they were conceived <laughs> to your album. I want the dirt. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> really? I swear, a lot. <laughs> I got a lot of messages like that. I mean, I, 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 feel, I feel excited when I read messages like that. <laughs> oh my god please tell me like the craziest message that you've ever received like that like tell like <laughs> like people yeah. telling you like what <laughs> what they're doing to your music oh so, my gosh um, this is the tea that i want <laughs> yeah so uh a guy sent me a message he was like praise thank you i just so there's a song i have called 69 featuring bono boy and ikichuku good and- title yeah i know right <laughs> so he was like praise thank you thank you very much thank you and meanwhile i like i don't know this person and i wasn't sure why the person was thanking me you know mm-hmm. and i was like okay i appreciate you but i mean why are you thanking me for it's like um hope you don't feel uncomfortable but um i just had i just had sex to your song um 69 to be particular and yo I would like to say thank you again. Thank you, Anthony. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. I can't I believe know, like, people are sending you know, messages like you know, this. I'm sorry. And you know, it's for me usually it's normal when like the ladies send it. But this time it was a guy. Like, and you know, men, it takes a lot for a man to just say, okay, let me let me just admit. <laughs> you know. And yeah, I was like, oh, wow. 
Okay, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so now, like, this makes me think, who put the song on? Did he put the song on? Did she put the song on? Was it just playing on a playlist? Did they play the whole album? Like, do you know what I mean? Now, to, now, to be honest, now I don't, I don't even know. I didn't, I don't know because I didn't ask. I was just blown away by him telling me the reason why he was thanking me. I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh my god! And I'm like, and, nah. And you get a lot of messages like this. Yes, I do. Yes. Oh my god, that's incredible. I'm grateful for those messages, though. It keeps me going. <laughs> Keeps me going. When you need inspiration for studio, you just go to your DMs and you're like, okay, <laughs> what's happening today? Who's listening to my tunes? What am I inspiring? Yo. Oh my God. So yeah, the To the Moon EP was was a project I actually made during the lockdown. I won't lie, music saved me during the lockdown because I wonder if there was no music or if I didn't have my studio at home. I wonder what I would have been doing. I know I would have just been not myself because it was quite some time. Well, we're locked in for a long time, you know. So I created created music, and yeah, I reached out to a couple of my friends. Um, like, yo, bro, I'm dropping up an EP. I'd love to have you on it. Told Ice Prince, told Mi, told Niola. Um, I mean, my younger brother, he stayed with me. So I was like, yo, bro, we're making music. So everything was created. I sent the songs to various artists and they sent me their verses. And yeah, it was amazing. It was beautiful. Mm. And um, I mean, I decided to put it out during the lockdown. And yeah, it was it was a great time. It was a great time. You also released To The Moon under your own label, uh, Cicada yeah. Music. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Is it Cicada or Cic- Yes, you're Cic- right. Yeah, yeah, Cicada Music. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Cicada Music. Yeah. And you were with your original record label for about like twelve years, which is a really, really long yes, time. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure that starting your own label affords you a freedom that you know being signed to a label doesn't, because when you're doing your own thing, you get to call yeah. your own shots. Yeah. What has starting Cicada Music done for for your career? Well, um, all the awards, first of all, the, all the awards I won. Um, I mean, I was under a label. And um, I mean, I started my label and yeah, I started my label and I won an award. And the Grammy goes <laughs> It was a great start, a very great Incredible. start. Uh, um, on one of the major awards, I think the number one award in Nigeria, you know. So yeah, it's been looking up. Things have been coming, opportunities, bigger opportunities have been coming, and I'm super excited about this new phase. I always knew that this new phase was going to open doors. It's going to open bigger doors um, to me, to my career, mm. to everyone around me, and I'm super, super, super excited about this new phase in my life. I've learned a lot of things. Um, I've learned lessons that would make me not do certain things, you know, and avoid some different situations. So I'm really excited about this new phase of my music career. I'm digging now. What kind of situations would you avoid <laughs> and what kind of things have you have you learned? And, and I ask this question specifically yeah. because a lot of people that listen to this podcast are young, up-and-coming musicians. Yeah. So I yeah. think that... They would, it would mean a lot, and they would learn a lot hearing from you 
with regards to things that you've done wrong and lessons that you've learned? Yeah, um, so one of the things I would, one of the advices I'll give to um, young artists is before you sign an agreement, always have a lawyer. You know, sometimes it might feel Ooh, like... very important. Yeah, it might feel like um, you're afraid to make the person feel that uh, you're too smart. You know, some people will make you feel that way, you know. But for me, I think when I signed, I was just really, I was in a phase in my life where I just needed to just put out all this creativity, you know. I needed to share it with the world. I needed a platform, an opportunity to push out my my vocals, my creativity. And, I mean, I signed a contract without a lawyer, yeah, I mean, we had we had good times, we had ups, we had downs, but I mean, we kept moving. You know, so my advice is to to new actors before you sign any contract, go through it with a lawyer, a lawyer who understands entertainment, not just a normal law, a normal lawyer or a criminal law, a criminal law <laughs> lawyer. Nah, that won't work. Get an, get get an entertainment lawyer who would go through your contract and would give you a um, profitable advices before you sign. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Nigerian artists have, I think, over the last decade or so, taken the Western world by storm from the likes of Wizkid, who I know that you've collaborated with, to Burner Boy, to Tiwa Savage. What is it about the shared Nigerian creative experience that makes Nigerian artists world attention grabbers, particularly outside of Africa? So the thing with Nigerian musicians, Nigerian entertainers is we like to succeed. Um, I'm sure you might ask, yo, like (laughs) even people where you are like to succeed. But we don't just like to succeed only where we are. We like to succeed wherever we go. We like to leave a mark wherever we go, you know, and... um, that's why you see a Nigerian. A Nigerian will, will put out a single, put on, a, put out an album, and we decide to travel to Ghana, we we'll travel to South Africa, to do media tour, to push, you know. And that's one thing that a lot of musicians from other countries don't do. They really, they really, really do it. Someone put out an album and thinks, okay, well, I'm just from this, <laughs> I'm just from this country. Yeah, my country people would stream it. No, for us, we want we, we we want people in Australia, want people in Russia to vibe to our music. Like we go the extra mile to to promote our music, to do tours, to create awareness for our music, and in the long run, it has actually helped the acceptance of our music. Mm. You know. You know, I feel like through social media and the arts and collaboration, South Africa and Nigeria are more connected now than yeah. they've ever been before. But <laughs> some South I think, Africans I think, are. I think. I think we. I think we've been connected for a long time. I won't mm. lie. <laughs> I think we've been we've been connected for a long time. Have you been to South Africa before? Yo, <laughs> if you check my passport. I have, yo, the number of visas I have, 
it's crazy. Like my South African visas, it was crazy. One time they called me and they say, okay, do you know, I'm giving you 10 years. <laughs> what? Yo, like I used to, at some point I used to be in South in a year, I used to be in South Africa at least six times a year. At least. You so know, when are like, you coming back? I guess that's my next question. When I drop this album, I'm coming. I miss actually miss essay. Like I miss essay so much. Yo. <laughs> what's your vibe. what's your your favorite place to visit when you come to South Africa? Hmm. So when I when I um First time I came, I was just fascinated about um, Joe Bog, you know, mm-hmm. first Great time. Place. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, next time I came, I was like, okay, yeah, I think I need to explore. So I've done Durban, I've done um, Cape Town, I've done Upumalanga, you know, like I've done, I've done a couple of places. But I think at the moment, I think Cape Town would definitely be my favorite. Yes, <laughs> Cape Town would definitely be my favorite. It's just, it's just chill. It's just, it's a vibe. It's a vibe. The best vibe here. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I have love for all cities in South Africa. I used to live in Johannesburg. I recently moved back to Cape Town because it's home. Yeah. Um, and you know, home is where the heart is. So I'm mm-hmm. very happy being back in Cape Town. But um, what would you say the general perceptions of South Africans is by Nigerians? You don't want me to say that. Ah. <laughs> well, you know, because, rather, because some of just, us... I'd rather just, I just, I just rather skip it. Because, no, you know, the, okay. the truth is, the truth, the truth is, I know, I know, I, like, I've, I've come across, like, I have South African friends, so mm-hmm. I know, you know, but, you know... Media, bad news overshadows the good. Yeah. You know, regardless of how vast the good is, the, the good might be even more than the bad. But a lot of people would just decide to use the bad over the good. Mm-hmm. But I mean, um, yeah, I have, I have amazing friends, South African friends who have given me great opportunities, who love what I do, who are good people. You know, but I mean, I can't speak for other people. So my own experience, I think South Africans are are great people, lovely people, you know. So, yeah, that's it for me. It's the the bad apples that ruin it for everybody else. Yeah. Because in yeah. general, we're pretty great people. Do you know what of I mean? Course. Of but course. there are some South Africans that, are, you know, haven't <laughs> necessarily I mean, I th- been the most a, I th- welcoming I think, uh, I think, to people I think from it, other parts of Africa. I think it's I think I think it happens in other countries too, you know. I think it happens in other countries, not just South Africa, you know. Mm, true. But yeah, no, very you true. choose you choose you choose what you want to become. <laughs> but talk to me about the upcoming album because you yeah. said that the next time you come back to South Africa is when you drop the album. So I want to know everything. Yeah. I want to know What's happening in studio? I want to know when is it slated for release? I want to know everything. Tell me everything, praise. So this next album is, it's, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out the word to use. Um, it's going to be like next big thing in my life because I can feel it. I can feel it. And it's going to be my first album as an independent artist. Woohoo. But trust, yeah. But trust me, it's so beautiful. So beautiful. Collaborations on it. 
are amazing. I have um, Yemi Alade, Joe Boy. I have um, George from Portugal. I have Sheon Kuti. Um, I have Wajay. Yo, it's 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 an amazing album. Trust me, definitely gonna be one of the best world albums you're gonna listen to. Has a fusion of Afro, like Afro. When I mean Afrobeat, I'm talking fella Afrobeat, not <laughs> not Afro pop. Like, Got you. Yeah, like a proper fusion of Afrobeat and soul. You know, song talking about being proud of your skin. You know, like I have amazing records. I just have amazing records on this album and I can't wait to put it out. I can't wait to put it out. When are you going to put it out? <laughs> Do you see how slick I was with that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking at August. I'm looking at August um, to put out the album. But I definitely put out a, a single before the album. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, Praise, I just want to say thank you so much for joining me on on text talks today i have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and (laughs) i feel so inspired and so lucky to have spoken to you before the album drop because now i'm setting a a, a date in my calendar for august and (laughs) also it's on record now that you said you'll come back to south africa yeah trust me hold hold, hold me to it i promise you Kitchen counter, don't get that day here. It's late nights, give me bright ideas. Uh, love it when you call me baby. baby. Damn shit, drive me cray crazy. Your girls asking for a pic, they hear that I got that D. But you never let an ABC. It's you plus me, divide those legs, cause it's about to be a task. Fuck it, let our unbum baby do the math. You something I can run from, so hot, give me some burns. In it if it's long term, hit the gas. I'm all I can
much to Praise for joining us in studio. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Text Talks. Be sure to check out texttalks.com for more episodes. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, or listen to Text Talks on all good streaming platforms. Also, a huge shout out to Tom's, the only music store, for being the most incredible technical supplier. From myself, Tex, our producers, Jonathan Ings and Matthew Lewitz, and our research assistant, Al Clapper, catch you on the flip side.